Good morning. It's very different being here. Um, it's very different looking at you. You all seem very far back this morning. Um, so if I ask you a question that's not rhetorical, I need you to shout a little bit louder so I can hear you. Yeah? You, you all understand what rhetorical questions are? Obviously not, because you've just answered me. For those of you who don't know me, thank you. I guess, what, I guess you every time. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is John. Hello. Those of you who do know me, you can also call me John. I have to excuse me, I've got a bit of a dry mouth this morning. I feel like I've just eaten a packet of cream crackers. There you go, Davinia. Um, so this morning we're going to be continuing our series in the book of Psalms. Who is enjoying our series in the book of Psalms? Remember what I said about you being quite far back? That wasn't a rhetorical question. Who's enjoying the, the book, uh, series in the book of Psalms, Yeah. Okay, we are about five weeks, or we actually are five weeks into the series. Those of you who've been here for one or two of them, you may realise we're not doing all of the Psalms, and we're not necessarily doing them in order, because otherwise we might be here for the best part of a few years, actually, if we're doing all 150 Psalms. Um, So, can anyone tell me which Psalms we've already done? Does anyone remember any of them? You can shout out the number one. Very good, we've done number one, yeah. That wasn't first, though. 139, yes. Yeah. Anybody else? No? Okay, good. Everyone's been listening. So this week we're going to be looking at 125. It's not one we've done yet, um, so it is a new one. Well, it's not new, it was written quite a while ago. Um, But before we get to that point, what we're going to be talking about this morning is trust and security, because that's what this psalm is about. So as all good preachers do, what I did first of all is I quickly did a bit of research about security before I decided to look at what the Bible says about it. And I found this very interesting story, which is true. So picture the scene. It's the 28th of July, 2012, and an 82-year-old nun and two of her friends break into a nuclear weapons facility. A nun breaks into a nuclear weapons facility. This is a true story from a newspaper article. This nuclear weapons facility was not just any facility. It was actually referred to as the Fort Knox of uranium facilities. It was in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Equipped with hammers, paint, blood, and a pair of bolt croppers, they cut through four fences. Three of them had intrusion detectors. They then set off alarms, traversed a 600-metre semi-wooded area until they arrived at the wall of a building that housed hundreds of tonnes of uranium, which is basically enough to make thousands of nuclear weapons. They painted blood on the walls, they sang songs, and pounding on the building with their hammers before they were finally accosted by a single security guard. Fortunately, these three people, the 82-year-old nun and her friends, weren't terrorists and weren't armed with any weapons, therefore no harm came. But a building that was specially designed for protecting against terrorists fell to a brave nun and her friends. Later investigations also revealed a security culture failure of epic proportions. Not only that intrusion, but there had also been other issues previously, and they'd failed to respond to those. This morning I want to talk about security. That's a slightly worrying story that somewhere that's supposed to be so secure can fall to the hands of an 82-year-old nun and a couple of friends. Um, So hopefully this morning we'll be looking at something that's a little bit more secure than that. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 125. It will come up on the screen, um, but I'm going to be reading from a slightly different version. Just keep you on your toes. Um, There we go. Psalm 125 says this. Those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated, but will endure forever. Just as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surround his people, both now and forever. The wicked will not rule the land of the godly, for then the godly might be tempted to do wrong. O Lord, do good to those who are good, whose hearts are in tune with you. But banish those who turn to crooked ways, 
O Lord. Take them away with those who do evil, and may Israel have peace. So this morning, what I want us to consider are a number of things based around this idea of trust and security. We're in a world that sometimes is full of uncertainty, things change in the blink of an eye, and we sometimes don't know whether we're coming or going, or what's going to come around the corner. So things I want us to consider this morning as we look at this psalm and how we can apply it to us in our individual circumstance, is I want us to consider where it is we're searching for security. Where is it we're placing our trust? And how secure are we feeling? This psalm that we've, we've read has much to show us about everyday life. It shows us some wisdom which we can be applied to many situations and to our lives as individuals. The story I began with, while it may seem a little bit funny, it's also true, which is a bit worrying, I think, in itself. But the idea is that sometimes we think we're secure, sometimes we can think everything's sorted, we're safe, no one's going to get us, nothing's going to get us, but that's not necessarily the case. So this morning, what I want us to think about is where it is we are placing our security as people. Where is it we are putting our trust? Because if our trust and our security is in the wrong place, then the consequences could be dangerous or even disastrous. So let's begin by unpacking this psalm and and having a look at what it can mean to us now in 2014 in Portsmouth, where it was not written. It was written a long time ago in Israel, but I think the the truth of the psalm remains true, and I think God wants to use it to apply to our lives and our individual situations. So verse 1, it tells us very clearly that those who place their trust in the Lord will feel secure. Now, I hope that this security we're going to get from trusting God is a lot more secure than that building that was burgled. Some of you may have seen as well in the news this week that an Interpol building in South Africa has been burgled like five times in three weeks. So these places that are supposed to be incredibly secure clearly aren't. Yeah. So the idea is that placing our trust in God helps us to be secure. And what the person who writes this psalm says is those people will be so secure, they'll be just like Mount Zion. Now mountains are pretty secure places because they're quite high and hard to reach, yeah? get me? Yep, just ask Sauron, he'll tell you how secure a mountain is. That's a bad example, but if you like Lord of the Rings, you might have got that joke. We'll try that again next week. Um, Mountains are hard to get to because they're high up, so you automatically think, oh, a mountain has got to be secure, it's got to be safe. I don't know much about mountains, and being in Portsmouth, we don't really know much about mountains either. We have Portsdown Hill, which is definitely not a mountain. Though as an aside, I've recently been cycling to work, and um, there's this app called Strava. I don't know if you've heard of it. It tracks where you're going, how far you've gone. And what people do is they sort of set roads as like targets and you can see how good you are against everyone else that uses that app. So the idea is you become king of the mountain. And whoever it is in Portsmouth, I don't know who this person is, but when they've cycled over Copner Bridge a couple of times, they've named that stretch of road as Copner Mountain. It's, it's high, but it's definitely not a mountain. That's, that's an aside, just something I remembered that made me laugh the other day, Copner Mountain. Anyway, so being in Portsmouth, we don't really know much about mountains. And I've never climbed a mountain outside of South Wales, so there's probably bigger mountains than those that are in South Wales. But you get this idea that if something's high, if it's tall, it's hard to reach, it's safe and it's secure, yeah? You with me this morning? Great. So I want you to think for a moment. Those of you who have children, put your hands up. Those of you who have been children, you can put your hands up as well. So that should be everyone. I'm checking you're all listening, you see. So you, if you've got kids, or you've ever been a kid, you know that sometimes things that are important get put out of reach by adults, yeah? So I'd like you to picture a scene for me. A few weeks ago, I constructed a highly valuable, very important, all-terrain scout transport machine out of a very strong, sturdy material known as Lego. And after I built this 
thing. It's, it's from Star Wars. I'll show you pictures later. Well, I would. I thought, right, how am I going to keep this safe and secure? I know what I'll do. I'll put it on a shelf in my living room. A shelf so high, even my wife, who's five foot three, cannot reach. So I thought, it's going to be safe. It's got to be safe. So I left it there, left the room. A few moments later, I returned to the room to discover this valuable creation, which I'd made, spent hours doing, putting together, looking at thinking, yeah, that's good, man. That's good. So I put it high. I came back into the room and my tenacious two-year-old had managed to climb onto a chair, up a shelf and reach this high spot which I thought was secure and safe. Get the item down. Um, there was no choking involved. Lego, no, she didn't eat anything. She basically just took it apart. So I thought, ah, great. So I thought that was high. I thought that was secure. I thought that was safe. Probably the worst part is the fact I can't find the instruction manual. So I can't put it back together at the moment. So it's just sort of in pieces, um, out of reach, possibly. Yeah, exactly, I know. It's a worry. All those hours spent creating, and it's just destroyed in a moment. But the point is, just by putting something high that seems out of reach isn't necessarily the most secure. So the right of this psalm isn't just saying that if we're trusting God, we're secure like being on a mountain. He's talking about a very specific mountain, a very specific place, and there's a reason for that. He's talking about Mount Zion. Now, this has nothing to do with the Matrix films. This is a place in Israel, in Jerusalem. So I did a little bit of research as to what Mount Zion is. Would you like to hear some information about Mount Zion? Would you like to hear some biblical history? That's good. Great. So, Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, or was when this was written, and Mount Zion was kind of like the centre of that city. It was the main town, the main part of the city. It was also called the City of David. And this was a pretty secure town. It had walls around it, it was on a mountain, so it's high to get to, and it had walls around it. Now, if you look back in your Bibles, you don't have to right now, you can go away and read it later, but in 2 Samuel chapter 5, we read about the beginning of King David's reign in Israel. And what he does, the first thing he, one of the first things he does is he goes and attacks this city, which was originally owned by the Jebusites and the Canaanites. It wasn't part of Israel, it wasn't part of their kingdom, and it was this really secure city that he wanted to go and get. It had walls around it, it was high up. And so what he did was he broke, he got his army to break through these water tunnels, and this allegedly secure place was overthrown and overtaken by God's people. So that what, first of all, it was thought of secure. So then David takes this really secure place, he makes it his capital, he renames it Mount Zion, calls it the city of David, strengthens all the walls, and makes it even more secure. Now the reason the psalmist, or the person who writes this psalm, is talking about Mount Zion, it's an analogy, it's a metaphor. He's basically saying, if you're trusting in God, you are ever, ever, ever so secure. So secure, in fact, it's the most secure city there was at that time. So it's not just any mountain, it's not just any city, it's one that's strengthened, it's fortified, it's protected. So this morning, if we're trusting in God, we will be so secure that we will be surrounded, we'll be strengthened, we'll be fortified, we'll be in his place of protection. First one also says that we will not be defeated, we will endure forever. I don't know about you, but forever is a very long time, yeah? John 3.16 says, those who, whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life, that's forever, that's a long time. If we're trusting in God, that trust won't ever go away. You'll be secure forever. That does not end. Yeah? So moving on to verse 2, it's very much the same. It also talks about the mountains that surround Jerusalem. Now, I did a little bit of research into Jerusalem, what it looks like today. I've never been, but to the powers of Google Street View, I have seen Jerusalem. It's even on Google. I know, I can't believe it. And it is, indeed, on a mountain. Not only is it on a mountain, it's surrounded by other mountains. Yeah? So the idea is this, this, the person that's writing this psalm is trying to explain to people reading it that if you want to be secure, if you want to be 
certain of who you are and where you're going, you need to be trusting in God because it's secure like this city that's the centre of Jerusalem, but also it's not just secure in that one place. The whole of Jerusalem was surrounded by other mountains. It had this whole effect of like Jerusalem was surrounded by a wall in Mount Zion, but surrounded by all these other mountains. And what he's saying is the Lord surrounds his people forever and ever, just like these mountains surround Jerusalem. It's funny because this psalm would have been written probably about 4,000 years ago. And as, as I looked yesterday on Google Street View, the mountains are still there. So you get this idea that 4,000 years have passed, which is quite a long time, and those mountains are still surrounding Jerusalem. So the truth of that is that God is still surrounding us, that if we're placing our trust in him, he will continue to surround us, and that won't end. Psalm 91 tells us this, The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me, I will protect those who trust in my name. This morning I want to ask you is if you're trusting in God. Are you trusting in God partly or in whole? Because there's a lot of other places in which in life we can put our trust and we can search for security in. And I want to just think for a few moments about some of those things that may come our way, some of those distractions that we might think, well, actually, you know what, I'm going to trust in this or I'm going to place my security. And it might be a conscious decision. It might not be a conscious decision. But these things that can crop up and that I've been susceptible to definitely in the past. But this morning I want to have a look at those so we know where we're coming from so we can maybe refocus our attention on who we are trusting in. The first one that always springs to my mind when I think, oh, where else could I be putting my trust? Where else could I be looking for security? Is possessions and what I own. Yeah, Possessions and wealth are this thing that the world is constantly saying to us, you are measured by what you own, by what you're worth, by what you have. People spend hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds on cars, houses, gadgets, and I'm definitely one of a, a gadget lover. But these things, they come up and we think, we've got to have that. that that's, that's going to define me. That's going to secure me. If I have this, this place, I'm going to feel secure. I can, I can trust possessions. People go out and spend hundreds of thousands of pounds on certain models and makes of cars because they hold their value. They place their trust in those things. Matthew 6, 19 to 21, Jesus is talking about the danger of putting our trust in possessions. And he reminds the people listening to him that they shouldn't be storing up treasures on earth where they get stolen and they rust. You see, it's okay to have possessions, it's okay to own things, but these things are only temporary. And if you remember what Psalm 125 says, it says that the Lord will endure forever. Yeah? So you get this idea, temporary and forever. Um, Carly and me, my wife and I, we're about to be moving house. And the reason we're moving house is because we felt God very clearly challenge us about where we live. And the reason that sort of came about is that we realised sometimes we're probably placing a little bit too much worth and trust in our house. We live in a nice house, in a fairly quiet street near a good school. And those things aren't bad. But first of all, all those things are sort of outside of our control anyway. We can't choose who our neighbours are going to be. We can't say how good or bad a school is going to be in five years' time. And we can't say how long the bricks and mortar of our house are going to stay up, hopefully long enough for the new person to buy it. But the point is, we sort of felt challenged by God to say, hang on a minute, what are you trusting in? Are you trusting in the house you live in that you own, or are you trusting in me? And we made a decision that actually we want to trust in God. We are going to be buying another house, but the point is, sometimes those things are out of our control. It looks like, yeah, those things are, sort of, those things are secure, but really we need to be saying, actually, a minute, these things are only temporary. We have no control over these. All we have control is where we place our trust, and we should be placing our trust in God, yeah? The other thing that I was thinking about, again, which is very topical at the moment, is fame. Often the, the world will tell you, if you're famous, you are secure, you're sorted, you can trust in what everyone else thinks of you. Um, I had a little bit of an experience of this myself this week. 
after um, Audrey and her children very kindly created a parody video of me. And my wife reminded me that you know you've made it when someone makes a parody video of you. Um, for those of you who haven't seen it, you're welcome to go on Facebook and watch some ice being thrown at me. Uh, Martin, man, that reminds me. There was no ice in your ice bucket, was there? No, you might have to do it again. And while we're naming and shaming people, Will Elliot, if you're here this morning, you still haven't done your ice bucket challenge. Yeah. So anyway, moving on to what I was saying about fame and fortune. We often look at famous people and, and people that have got money and they've got everything. We think, yeah, they're sorted. They haven't got any problems. And then all we have to do is sort of turn to the newspapers and read about the really tragic events like Robin Williams who decided to take his own life. And you sort of get this idea that actually for years he, he seemed sorted and he seemed secure, but he struggled with depression, with alcoholism. For those of you who watch Glee, there was the horrendous news um, a year ago of the guy who played... Um, I remember his name, Finn, that's right, I don't watch Glee, um, and he too, he's like a young guy, he's rich, he's famous, he's got all the girls, he's got all the attention, he's successful, and he too ended up taking his own life, intentionally or not, through, through drug abuse, and you kind of get this idea, well hang on a minute, if these famous people aren't as secure as they look, then maybe it's not all about fame, and sometimes I think we get this idea that because the media tells us that if you're famous, you've got your life sorted, you can trust in being famous, you can't, that's not true. As I said before, the psalm tells us that only the Lord endures forever, so we need to be looking to him for our trust. Something that's very close to being famous is what other people think of us. We can place our trust in our peers and how they view us and what they think of us and how they measure us. And sometimes I think that kind of tricks us into a false sense of security too. Because yeah, friends, they're good to have friends. There's nothing wrong with having friends. But who is it that we're most worried about? Galatians 1.10 says, For Am I seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I was trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So what Paul is saying in that letter is, you can't please both man and God. Yeah? There's nothing wrong with us having friends, there's nothing wrong with us being nice to people, or trusting people and trusting people's words, but our security and our trust should not be placed in what other people think of us. They should only be placed in God and what he thinks of us and how he wants to use us. Last week, Martin talked about Psalm 1, and uh, in it, he used this great analogy of um, trooping the colour, and he talked about the fact that all these people march in time, and Psalm 1 says about not walking in step with the wicked, and so Martin said, you sort of got to march out of time. Sometimes we need to be out of step with the world to be different, because we're called to trust in God, and a lot of people in the world aren't trusting in God, they're trusting in these other things we've looked at, yeah? So sometimes we need to stand up, make a stand, and question for a moment, hang on a minute, I can't put my trust in man and God. I can't be a follower of Christ if I'm trusting what other people think of me. We need to be trusting in God and God alone. Trusting in other people's opinions of you is not a safe place. No matter how godly those people may be, no matter how good those people may be, they probably will let you down at some point, or their opinions are based on lots of other things. God, however, he loves us. He loves us enough that he sent Jesus to die for us. He wants a friendship and a relationship with us, and he wants our trust to be placed in him alone. Some of the other places that we may look for security is through relationships or through sex. We can't sometimes think if I'm loved by these people or if I can have this many relationships or if this person's having sex with me, clearly they love me, clearly they want the best for me. That's not necessarily true. If you're putting your trust in relationships with other people, I want to challenge you this morning to say to a minute, hang on a minute, if those relationships went away, what would happen? How much trust can you really put on the person you're in a relationship with? If you're not married and you're having sex... Maybe question how much that person really loves you and how much they value you. 
I was reading um, recently about where Jesus is talking to his disciples about what real love means. And he says, real love is about someone who's willing to lay down their life. I love my wife very much, and I'd like to think, if push came to shove, I would be willing to lay down my life for her. And I'd like to think she'd be willing to lay her life down for me. But the thing is, the only person I know who is actually willing to do it is Jesus. The reason I know that is because he's already done it. Yeah? The only relationship I want to be putting my total trust and security in is my relationship with Jesus. And I want you guys to be doing the same thing. There's many other places that we can be looking to put our security in. Um, the, the other one, I think, that comes up quite often is our own abilities and our own strengths. It's sort of a combination of all the things we've already talked about. How much do we sort of value ourselves, but how much do we think, yeah, I've got this sorted, I can do this, I don't need any help, I can do this on my own. I remember a few years ago, uh, about 10 years ago actually, I applied to join the police. It's something I'd always wanted to do ever since I was a, a little boy. So I filled up, I'd finished college, I filled up this application thinking, yeah, I've got this sorted, I've got all the qualifications, tick, yep, oh, I've always wanted to be a police officer, yep, I want to help people, yep, I want to live in a safe place, yep. Posted the form, I thought, yes, I'm going to get in. You know, I didn't even get through the application stage, I got a letter back saying, no, rejected. I was like, oh. I, I was a little bit gutted at the time, I was very gutted at the time, and, but then I mean, as I thought back, I thought, hang on a minute, not once when I filled out that form or went for that job did I consider what God wanted me to do. My total trust in applying for that job was in myself, in my own ability. I thought, hang on a minute, that's not really what God has for me necessarily right now. If I'm going to be applying for a job, if I'm going to be looking to doing something with my life, I need to be trusting God, placing my security in him and seeing what he wants me to do, not what I want to do or how I'm going to get there. And so uh, a few years later, after a bit of life experience and other things, um, through God's grace, I applied again and, and got in. But that was very much because he wanted me to be there. And that was very much on his um, his grace, really, rather than on my own merit or my own ability. Don't get me wrong, God has given us gifts and talents and abilities and skills, but it's when we put trust in ourselves that things go a little bit wrong, we can become a bit distracted. We need to be trusting in God alone. We need to be putting our security in him rather than in ourselves. So if we return back to uh, Psalm 125, there are a few more um, verses left in it that we need to look at. There's a few more warnings that come with um, what the, the person who's written is saying to us. So he's telling us to trust God. He's telling us that we will be secure. We will be secure forever. Uh, but verse 3, um, it tells us, the wicked will not rule the land of the godly, for then the godly might be tempted to do wrong. It's sort of a declaration and a warning at the same time. Um, he's saying that basically wickedness won't come into that land. He's talking about Jerusalem because the people there then might be tempted to do wrong. And sometimes what we need to do is we need to be careful where we're putting our trust and our security because if it's in something other than God or in someone other than God, temptation is easier to fall into. Yeah, you get me? If we're not totally focused and fixed on God and what he has for us, then it's very much easier to go down a road that takes us down the wrong path. Because if we're sort of only half focused on God and focused on this other thing, then we might be tempted to go out and chase after dreams and stuff that aren't ours or God doesn't want us to or tempted to fall into sin. So how do we avoid temptation? Well, the Bible, luckily, it gives us many examples and many reasons how we can. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Our hearts need to be in tune with God's heart. Yeah? If we want to be going down God's path, if we want to be trusting solely in God, we need to be listening to his heart, which is what verse 4 says. It says, O Lord, do good to those who do good and whose hearts are in tune with you. What's interesting about that verse, it doesn't say, oh Lord, do good to those who are perfect. 
It doesn't say, Lord, do good to those who have never done anything wrong, who are completely blameless. What it says is, do good to those who are good. We're only made good because of what Jesus has done for us, yeah? It's nothing that we have to do other than say, you know what, Lord, I've messed up, I've got things wrong, but because of you, because of your sacrifice, I am made better. So if we want to be blessed by God, if we want to be trusting in him and securing him, we need to be making sure our hearts are in tune with his heart. I don't know about you, but I find it very difficult sometimes to get into a pattern of reading my Bible every day. I'm one of those people that I probably have to read it for a good sort of three or four weeks every day and be committed to it for it to become something regular that I do. And it only takes a couple of days, maybe two or three at the most, of not reading it to then like have to go through the whole process of really starting again. But if we want to be in a place where we know God's heart for our lives, where we're in tune with his, as this psalm says, we need to be spending time with him, which comes from spending time in his word. Yeah, Spending time in church with other people who know God, who love God. And if you're not in a small group, then that's a good plug there. You need to be getting in a small group because that's another great place where you get people around you that keep you in tune with God. If you want to be receiving God's blessing, if you want to be in a place where God is looking after you, where you've got that security, not just that kind of pretend feeling of security, but that complete security that endures forever, we need to be spending time with God. We need to be knowing him and serving him and searching for him. The the final verse, um, when I first read it in this psalm, I thought, oh my gosh, that's a little bit harsh. It says, banish those who turn to crooked ways, O Lord, take them away with those who do evil. I read that and thought, that sounds really harsh because God's a God of grace, right? He is, yeah. But the reason this, the person's written this, as I did a bit of research, this psalm was written during a period of sort of restlessness in, in Israel. And he wanted to sign of refocus everyone's attention back on God. And whilst, as we looked, as I mentioned before, the Mount Zion was surrounded by a wall, that keeps all the attacks out, from outside out. But what this psalm is warning them about is attacks that can come from inside. Is that sometimes if we're letting ourselves go down a path of trusting someone else or we're letting ourselves fall into temptation, that kind of leaves us down that wrong path. If we're allowing ourselves to be um, encouraged and influenced by other people that don't know Jesus, that aren't following Jesus, then we end up in a place that is bad, that is wrong. And what God is, what the, the psalmist is basically saying is, you know, God, remove those distractions from this place. Remove those distractions from this place of security so that we are totally focused on you, so that we're not diluted down or worried about going down a path that's not right with you. So when I first read that, I thought that's a bit harsh, but actually as I read it, I realised, hang on a minute, all God is saying is making sure that we're secure by trusting in him and making sure that we are removing those distractions and those things that can take us down a path that leads to destruction. Because after all, as God's people, we're called to be different, we're called to be set apart, we're called to be holy, aren't we? Israel was, that's what we're called to be. And those things come from making sure what's going on outside of ourselves and who we allow ourselves to associate with, where we put our trust is going on, but also what goes on in our hearts. And it reminds us back to verse 4 that we need to be in tune with God's heart. The reason um, I chose to speak on this psalm is because it was something that I found and um, Carly found really encouraging recently. Those of you who um, know us or don't know us, basically um, back in June our daughter Caitlin um, was seven months old and she was very unwell. She had um, was fitting and we had to take her to hospital um, and the sort of the treatment that she had meant that they had to sedate her, put her on a ventilator. And it was, it was the worst experience of my life. But um, one of the things, we had so many sort of texts and emails and, and messages from people saying, you know what, we're praying for you, we're standing with you. And, and someone, um, Nathan, it was, texted us this psalm. And as I read it, I sort of felt like, 
I sort of made it a prayer over us and our situation. Hang on a minute, you know what, I don't want to, there's nothing wrong with trusting in the doctors and the nurses, they're doing a good job. But you know what, life is so frail, sometimes it's so fragile, we can never see what's coming around the corner. And what I wanted to do in that situation was, you know what, say, God, I just want to trust in you in this situation. I want my security and my family's security to be placed in you. Because it says, we won't be defeated, we'll endure forever. I didn't know what the outcome was going to be when I read this psalm, when I, when I shared this psalm with Carly and we prayed into this psalm. But I tell you what, just this psalm and the fact that we knew this church and many other people were praying for us, it helped us feel secure, it helped us feel trusted. That's the place I want to be all the time. Not in a hospital watching my little girl struggling, but I want to be in a place where I'm so reliant upon God's word, where I'm so reliant upon other people's prayers, other people's support, and also what God is saying to me. Because it's very easy when we're sort of in that situation of, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? When you're in that place where you're thinking, oh my gosh, I really need to feel secure. I'm searching in all these wrong places and I need to feel secure right now. When we're in that moment, when we're up against it, it's very easy to then say, you know what, God, I'm totally going to follow you. I'm totally going to trust you. Everything is about you. But as soon as we start to feel a little bit secure and safe again, the other distractions, they creep in, don't they? You never know what's coming around the corner in life. And we never knew that what was going to happen with Caitlin. And, And thankfully, by God's grace, she's fine. She's fully healed and fully restored. And the thing is, as hard as it may seem to sound, um, may seem for me to say this, even if the outcome hadn't been as positive, I think I'd still be in the same place where I'm saying, actually, you know what, God, I'm trusting in you because you know me and I want to feel secure in you. That's what your word says. Even if something really, really bad happens, it still says we will endure forever, whether that's good or bad. We still have that relationship with God. That relationship goes on forever. And he knows me better than anybody else. And he wants the best for me. So it's often when things are going well, when we seem sorted, that we get a bit distracted and we think, you know what, maybe I'm all right. Maybe I'm doing okay without him. It's when the stuff happens that gets you in the face and you think, oh my gosh. That's when we start to search for God. I'm going to invite um, Gaz and the band up to, to come up just as I'm going to be closing. But um, There's something that, as I read this, I sort of became a little bit distracted by that opening verse. I don't want it to mislead you. It's not saying that God is as secure as Mount Zion because things happen to mountains. I read this morning, actually, um, where Jesus says to his disciples, with enough faith you can move a mountain. So even mountains aren't the most secure places. What this verse is actually saying is it's an analogy of those who trust in God will be secure like a mountain. So our security should be in the creator, not in any of his creations. It's an analogy about us. It's not about God. It's saying by trusting in God, we will feel secure. Yeah. So as you look for security, don't look at the creation we need to be feeling secure from a relationship in the creator the other thing as well just to close is that the very final verse says may israel have peace we want peace in our lives don't we not just sort of quiet sereneness but peace that it talks about in the bible it describes jesus as the prince of peace or as the message version puts it the prince of wholeness the sort of peace that the bible talks about is a wholeness it's about this feeling of completion of, um, yeah, of completeness, of being secure and stable and sorted no matter what. It's not about sort of peace and quiet or not having troubles and difficulties. If we want to have peace, then the only person we can be trusting in and putting our security in is Jesus because he is, as I've said, the Prince of Peace. We need to be trusting in him. And this morning what I want us to do as we, we go into a time of worship is just consider for a moment where is it we are putting our security and our trust. Are we trusting in God who endures forever? Because as I said, and as I talked briefly about the experience with Caitlin, is that we never know what's coming around the corner. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to sort of wait and see what's coming around the corner and then make that decision. Because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And that feeling of what if, don't let that be a distraction 
Make the decision now and today to put your trust and your security in God and God alone.